God has been speaking to us since last night. And I want to ask you, what have you heard? Many times when we read the scripture, we read about Jesus seeing a fisherman and say, Come and follow me. They will leave everything. What happened? They had the voice of God. You cannot hear God and not respond. I beg you in this meeting, don't be satisfied hearing the voice of a preacher. Ask God to speak to you. Lord, I want to hear your voice. What kind of thing did James and John, the sons of Zebedee, have? Jesus said, follow me. They left their father and their nets and followed. They had God speaking to them. Can you say, Lord, speak to me this evening? I want to hear you tell me how to reorganize my life to function in this kingdom. What kind of thing did Apostle Paul hear that he gave up all his privileges? He said, if any of you have any reason to boast, I have more reasons than you. I am not just a Jew. I am of the tribe of Benjamin. As touching the law, I am a Pharisee. I am not just more than a Jewish citizen. I am equally privileged as a Roman citizen. But Paul said, all these things I count them as nothing. That I may gain the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Have you had the call? Has God speaking to you yet? This is the third session of this revival meeting. It may be you are just hearing the preacher preaching a good sermon. Have you had God? Brother and sister, when you hear God, you can't remain the same. When men and women hear God, nothing more counts. Nothing is as compelling as the voice of God. Father, we thank you for this next session. We have come again as we did in the morning and last night. We've come before you. Lord, I pray that this meeting will be something similar to the address of Israel to the Jews when they came back from exile. The Bible says Israel stood before the people and read the law. In the course of reading the law, the people were weeping. They were crying. Because they saw how much they have failed God. They saw how much they are less than what God wants them to be. The word of God had effect on them. Lord, my joy is not to preach a good sermon. My joy is to lead your people to your presence to hear you. And I ask that you do it this evening. That every single one here will hear the Lord tonight. And we will respond to you like of old. For the Bible says in the days of his power, your people shall be willing. 
May your people be willing to obey you. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. I want to thank you for coming again. As Christians, we are very busy people, so many commitments. But you've honored the Lord to come for this meeting. And it's my prayer that the Lord will honor you back by visiting your life in the name of Jesus. I want to say something. It's, it's normal and is expected for churches to organize revival programs, just like we're organizing now. But if we organize revival programs and people are not revived, it is not a revival. I want you to set a goal for yourself, Lord. I don't want to be the same person I was before this retreat. Lord, I want you to do a specific thing in my life that I can point to that was a revival in this aspect of my Christian life because I was in this program. Revival don't happen simply because revival was organized. Revival don't happen by chance. People desire it. People hunger for it. People cry for revival. And God visits them with revival. So the main fact that a revival is going on and you are attended is not a guarantee that revival will happen in your life. It's a function of the hunger in your heart. Jesus said to the disciples, What do men go to the wilderness to behold? He said, People don't go to the wilderness to look for kings and royalties. They are in the city. But if you are going to the wilderness to look for a prophet, indeed, John the Baptist is a prophet. I want to challenge you. This church has spent time, energy, planning, prayers, tears, and invited you. Don't miss this opportunity. I plead with you. You know, God does not force himself on people. God works with us, with our cooperation. That's one thing about God. God gave us a will. We can shut God out of our lives, or we can open the doors of our hearts and let him in. Even though he's the almighty God, he respects our choices. God respects our will. If you have a will to be revived, the Lord will do it for you in Jesus' name. And so this evening we are going to talk about kingdom mentality. Kingdom mentality. I noticed that we have more people now than we had in the morning. So in the morning, let me give you a brief summary of what we did in the morning. We talked about discipleship as a tool for advancing the kingdom of God. And we say that discipleship is not just a training in personal spiritual disciplines. A training to do your quiet time, to pray, to fast, to read the Bible, to go to conference and seminars. Jesus was the author of discipleship. And when he chose the twelve men and discipled them and trained them, he gave them spiritual assignments 
social assignments, political assignments. I'll say that discipleship is a training to engage the world. Jesus trained his disciples. And by the time he finished training them, in Matthew 28, 18-20, he said, Now, all power in heaven and on earth is given unto me. I say to you what? Go and make disciples of all nations. Teaching them to observe everything I have said. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So Jesus discipled men, sent them to the world. But what we are doing in the church is discipleship, is that we disciple people for the church. You don't disciple people for the church. You disciple people for the world. You train them for the assignment they have in the world. We just disciple people to work in the church. That's all. Very committed members. Ushers, band, choir. You know, people are very active in church. But they, are, they have no influence in the world where they live. They have no influence in the place where they work. Their light is not shining. They are not sought. They can't bring about a godly change in their environment. The twelve disciples Jesus trained took the world and turned the world upside down for Jesus. It's not the church they turned upside down. The world. The Bible said actually. You know Jesus didn't call us Christians. It is the world that called the disciples Christians. Say the Christians were first, the disciples were first called Christians where? In Antioch. What does it mean to be a Christian? People who are like Christ, who have influence. Antioch was not part of, you know, Israel where Jesus lived. But the story of Jesus has gotten to Antioch, a Gentile nation. And they suddenly met people whose life was exactly like Jesus. And they called them world Christians. Can you see the power of discipleship? Discipleship is like a mold. Those of you in, man, in manufacturing, engineering, or production engineering, anything you want to produce, you produce a mold. And when you have a mold, you multiply the things in thousands or hundreds as you want. Discipleship is the mold for shaping Christians for the world. I would say that discipleship is also a training to die to self. We can't do much for the kingdom if we don't die to self. All the people who advance the kingdom of God, they first of all died to their self, to their ambition, to their will. And God used them to do extraordinary things. So, you can't claim to be a disciple until you are dead to self, to your life ambition, to everything that is you. I will finally conclude by saying that when you are a disciple, you are a leader. You don't need to occupy leadership position to be a leader. A leader is someone who provides direction and others follow. In school, as a student, you provide leadership, the rest of your classmates follow. In your workplace, you are a reference point. Others look up to you for counsel, for wisdom. They look up to you for mentoring. 
When they are confused, they come to you for advice. When they run into trouble, you are the first person that comes to mind. And you influence them by the quality and the power of your life. So you want to be a leader? Get serious with Jesus. People will follow you. In fact, you won't rest. People will wear you down because they want to tap from the blessings of God. They want to tap from your wisdom, your intellect, your knowledge, the goodness of life oozing out from you. Leadership is not about offices. Like I told them in the morning, the Bible says, while Saul was king, sitting on the throne, it was the shepherd David that was leading Israel to battle. It was David that was winning all the battles. And the women sang, Saul killed 1,000, David killed how many? 10,000. David was not the king, he was not sitting on the throne. But when it was time for war, he leads Israel to war. Leadership is not all about occupying an office. You can occupy an office and be irrelevant. You can occupy an office and the brother is in the fellowship or church that has no office. When people are in need, they know whom to go to. They won't even come to you. Because you are not there for them. You are not sensitive to them. You don't even recognize that they exist. But that brother who always after fellowship come, how, how was your work today? How did it go with you? We ask them questions and know how they are doing. A leader is someone who provides direction, who influences people with the power of a godly life, not manipulating people. You influence people with the power of a godly lifestyle. I'll stop you there so we can go for our talk tonight. Can I tell you that God will hold us accountable for the things we've had? The leadership of this chapel thought it wise to have this revival program and address the issues of the kingdom lifestyle. If at the end of this, God will check your life. How much of the kingdom lifestyle did you imbibe in the course of this meeting? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 from verse 24. Our topic this evening is kingdom mentality. Matthew chapter 6 from verse 24. Are we there? I'll read. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the other and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor what your, nor what, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into bands, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil 
nor Spain. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow we worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Praise the Lord. We want to talk about kingdom mentality. This passage is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has been teaching in so many things. And he got to this point and he said, I want to teach you how to live in this kingdom. You don't worry for anything. Your father knows you need it. Make the kingdom your number one. Once you make the kingdom your number one priority, you will have all the things you need. Did Jesus say we shouldn't plan for our lives? No. There is a difference between planning and worrying. When you worry, you know, you are self-absorbed. You are self-seeking. You are so worried about tomorrow that until you are sure about tomorrow you do nothing. Worry brings mental torture. The fear of the unknown. The fear of tomorrow. Can I make it? You are still a student. In final year. You've not even written degree exams. You've not even gotten your statement of result. You've not even been posted to NYC and you're breaking your head. Will I get a job? I hear the unemployment rate is at 20 something percent. Will I actually get a job? And you wake up every day breaking your head about a job. You don't have a certificate yet. You, you have not even gone on your service. You worry and worry and worry. And in the course of worrying, you start scheming. You start permutations. You are still working any salary and you are troubled about retirement. How am I going to survive after retirement? I'm starting, you know, you, 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 worrying is a negative thing. It's not a positive thing. We need to work. We need to plan for the future. But you should not worry about the future. Why? The future belongs to God. Make God your number one. And your future is taken care of. Kingdom mentality. One of the reasons why all the atrocities that goes on in the nation is because People are just, they are not thinking for today. They are thinking of 10 years to come, 5 years. Where will I be? Where will I be? All the, the, the schemings and corruption and wickedness and going on is about how can I remain, you know, uh, uh, relevant tomorrow? How can I be this? How can I be that? Jesus said, 
that kind of life is not kingdom lifestyle. Jesus said, we need to work, we need to save, we need to plan. But that is different from worry. When you worry, you become self-centered. You don't even know that others have need. And Jesus says something that surprised me. If you make the kingdom of God and his righteousness number one, your worries will be taken care. And you know it's this same principle that grows every nation. The most powerful nation on earth, United States of America. I've forgotten which of their president that made a statement that turned America around. He said, don't always think of what America will do for you. Think of what you will do for America. Because if America is a great nation, you are great. If America is a prosperous nation, you are prosperous. You know, today, our identity in the, in the global community is defined by how strong your economy is. Some people are called developed nations. And some of us, they call us what? Developing nations. Before, they used to call us what? Third world country. They began by calling us third world country. It doesn't matter who you are. Once you are not a European or a North American, you are a second class citizen. Because these are countries that are so powerful. So developed, and it's their citizens that made them developed and powerful. So it doesn't matter who you are. That's why in Nigeria today, you have all the Chinese company here. Some of them who don't even have the equivalent of A level or OND, they will come here, they give them a helix, and the police is cutting them. And the Nigerian graduates, civil engineers, military engineers, will be trekking and entering boats because China is a world power. They started by calling us third world country. It's like they said, this is so derogative. They now call us developing country. And we can still improve it. Now they call us emerging economies. Emerging markets. We have not emerged, we are emerging. Only God knows what next they will call us. Why? Because every African they are not thinking of their country. They are thinking of myself, my wife, and my children. We have a wrong mentality to life. Life is not just about you. This principle was given by Jesus to his disciples. America have taken it. Europe have taken it. That's why today, you can't bribe an American to work against America. What will you offer him? Anywhere an American, if an American citizen is in Nigeria and he has trouble, they will send their craft to pick them the next second. Don't mess up with that because they love their country and their country loves them. An American is ready to die for his country. And everybody wants to be an American citizen. But you don't know the principle of life that made America great. You put your nation first. But for we, in Africa, we put me first and Nigeria second. 
And Jesus is saying, you, you don't live life. That is living life from a negative perspective. If you seek first my kingdom and righteousness, my kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness, peace and everything you want is in this kingdom. Good life, good health. If you, if you advance this kingdom, you will be a beneficiary of this kingdom. This kingdom will take care of all your needs. If you make my kingdom number one, you won't lack. You will not lose out in life. And that brings me to the tragedy of the Nigerian church. You know, they say, who is a fool? They say a fool is someone who does not know that he does not know. And he does not know that he does not know. I mean, the Nigerian church, we do not reflect. We don't think. We don't analyze things. We don't observe. We are just running in one direction. Whether we are right or wrong, we continue in the same direction. We are not observing. There is need for a paradigm shift in the brand of Christianity we have. It's a Christianity of me. Me. God do this for 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 me. You just gather people from Monday to Sunday, January to December. All you teach is about what God can do for them. How God can bless them. How God can make them millionaires. Heal everything. Brothers and sisters, we are not the only ones that have need. God has a need. It's not all about what can God do for me. What can I do for God? God has a need. God wants to save all Nigerians and bring them into the kingdom. God wants an, a judiciary where the rich and the poor can get, and go, and get justice. God wants a police force, a custom that is godly, where people are not oppressed. God wants a functional system. Nigeria is a failed state. There are things we use to measure whether a state is failed or not. Nigeria is just a geographical location. We are not a nation. In a nation, everybody is equal. Everybody is under the law. It's not like that in Nigeria. In Nigeria, instead of projecting citizenship, we project indigenship. We are not a country. In a nation, it doesn't matter where you live, you are a citizen, you have equal rights. All the taxi states of the Federation have lived in Plateau State just for 20 years. Give birth to my raise them there. If, if anything comes, I don't get any benefit. Why? I'm not an indigenous from any state. I've paid all my tax. I've paid school fees, running into millions for my children. My school fees was paying some a teacher's salary. And that teacher pays tax to the school government. The school authority pays tax. And yet, if anything comes, I'm not an indigenous. I can't get anything. Nigeria is not a country. Sorry, we are not a nation. In a nation... Today in Nigeria, the Hausa Fulanese own Nigeria and they don't pretend about it. They make it clear to you, Nigeria belongs to them. When they make laws, it's for me and you Christians, Southerners, they don't obey laws. You say there is no job, they don't ask for jobs. As they are finishing, there is jobs for them. Even when they are not there, they will keep it for them. 
You right jump from the southeast, you need to score 250 to get admission. Somebody from the north with 150 will get admission. I live in the north. People are studying medicine. It's Mandafodo University with P in physics, P in chemistry, P in biology. And they are studying medicine. The same thing in Unimed. Here you need to make credits, A's and B's. We don't have a country. We don't have a nation. And that's why nobody cares about Nigeria anymore. It's only what I can gain. The church in Nigeria, we are so noisy, we have no influence. Hey, shout hallelujah so that somebody in the market we know that something is happening there. What is happening here? Is it not a church meeting happening? How do you want somebody in Obeite to hear your noise? What has that noise done for the man in Obeite? Nothing. We shout and scream. I said in the morning that Nigerian Christians are tadpoles. Big head, little body. No brains. I know tadpoles don't have brain. Everything in that your head is nothing but water. True or false? In tadpoles, that your big head it's only water liquid that is there. <laughs> no medulla oblongata. I'm laughing, but it's not a laughing, but I'm in pain. Like Jeremiah watching things happening. He said, the things I see makes my heart to bleed. The Nigerian church is so rich. So rich. But Nigerian Christians are poor. So poor. If a northern Muslim needs anything, they will just write the permanent secretary will give it. Not Nigerian, not Christians. You won't get it. In, we, we have powerful denominations. Powerful denominations but very weak and powerless body of Christ. Anglican church so powerful, so rich. Redeemed church so powerful, so rich. Deeper life so powerful, so rich. But the Nigerian church has no voice in the way Nigeria is governed. Anything the Muslims want, they get it. Enugu is a Christian state. Can the church in Enugu decide who becomes governor of 2019? We can't. We are not united. If you say that, the Catholic will say he must be their member. The Anglican will say he must be their member. Assemblies, before you know it, we are scattered. Very powerless, weak body of Christ. But very powerful and fantastic denominations. The assets of Anglican Church alone in this country is over two trillion naira. I'm an accountant. I'll tell you. If you need to do assets alone, that's building properties and facilities. Then we'll not talk about the income of Anglicans. It's over ten trillion. And yet, unbelievers who know nothing will impose themselves on us. Because we are not putting the kingdom first. 
<laughs> we are living for ourselves. Kingdom mentality. I work with students in Nifes. And the final year is when we are training them. There's a teaching we give them. Understanding God's call. I'm talking of Christian students born again that love the Lord. You administer a questionnaire. What do you want to do after graduation? All of them, the ambition is to be rich. 80 to 85% of them to make money. There's nothing wrong in making money. It's about me, me, me. No emphasis on the kingdom. Their choice of career is determined by the, most, the highest paying job. If it is paying well, it's a good job. Some of them, God have, we desire that they go and teach in primary or secondary to shape the kingdom of God in the lives of young coming up people. Uh-uh. They must work in shell. If it is not shell, it's not a job. We Christians work in shell, sure, God will send some people there. But everybody wants to work there. If it's not that one, it's bank. Why? Because we're under pressure to be rich and wealthy. But Jesus said, seek the kingdom for before you you choose a career. Have you asked the Lord Jesus, what do you want me to do with my degree? What career do you want me? The Bible says we no longer belong to ourselves. We are purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. We call Jesus Lord with mouth, but we are the Lord of our lives. If Jesus is Lord, he determines everything. You have no right to choose a job for yourself. Jesus chooses the job for you. Chooses the life partner. Chooses the city where you want to live. Nobody wants to stay in the rural places. That's why all the sophisticated demons have all left the city and relocated to the villages. People in the rural places are cut off. You don't have quality pastors and men of God. Everybody is in the city because that's where there's money. We just finished a clergy retreat in church. And we're analyzing churches. There's one, one church in my diocese in Joss. In one of the remotest areas. Their offering is 150 naira. One's the highest 200 naira every service. And you put a pastor there. <laughs> but we say that's where the diocese comes in. It's not that church that should take care of the pastor. But that same poor church needs men called by God. Sent to them to pastor them. The kingdom of God first. I want to give you some illustrations with this message because what I want to do is to challenge us. Many of us want the best of blessings from God. But have you given God the best of your strength? The best of your life? We want God to do everything for us when we are giving God have measures of obedience and commitment. But you want God to give you a full dose of the blessings of God. That's why we are not getting the miracles we are asking for. You should not expect the best from God when you have not given Him your best. 
you shouldn't. Jesus is saying, as citizens of this kingdom, God is number one, number two, number three, number four, number ten. People say, God first, me last. You are not even last. You are not even last. Let me give you some imageries from scripture. Philippians chapter 1 from verse 12 to 24. Apostle Paul was writing the, the Philippians. And he said to them, don't be discouraged about my imprisonment. Actually, my imprisonment is advancing the cause of the gospel. Because of my chains, he was imprisoned in, 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 in Rome, in Caesar's palace. He said the saints have been encouraged to proclaim the gospel. He said to them, actually, I am going through a battle in me. I feel like going home to go and rest, to be with the Lord, which is far better. But on a second thought, I think I should remain. Because if I remain, it is for your own good. So that I'll continue to encourage, exalt, and spur you on and inspire you to live for the Lord. Here is a man in prison who should be angry with God. Who should be angry with Jesus like John the Baptist. You remember John the Baptist? He was Jesus' first cousin. He baptized Jesus. He did everything. And then suddenly he was arrested to be beheaded. And Jesus was doing nothing. John gathered his dad and said, go and ask Jesus. Are you still the Messiah? I'm a bit confused. You know, actually, I baptized you. I actually told the people, this is the Lamb of God. I take it. I don't understand you. You mean you are there and you hear I'm here. And you know that this Herod is a madman. He's going to slaughter me. He's not going to deliver me. Trust Jesus. Jesus is very humorous. He didn't tell him I'm still the Lord Jesus. He said, John, the lame still walk. The blind still see. And the Messiah, when you see for this prison, <laughs> is part of God's call for you. In case you think you are the only one who will be beheaded, me, my own is on the cross. They will behead you in five minutes, you die. Me, I will hang on the cross, tortures for three hours, begging death, and death will not come. Your own is just five minutes, they cut off your head, and you're complaining. Apostle Paul said, Going home, heaven is a far better place. But I prefer to stay for the sake of the church. The church still needs me. For me to live is Christ and death is gain. As long as I'm alive, no rest. My time is for the church. That is a man seeking for the kingdom. It's not about him. It's not about him. A man who has gone to prisons uncountable times Beaten with cane and rod. Who should be able to say, Lord, I've had it. I want to go. He says, I'm ready to continue being a prisoner. I'm ready to continue taking strokes of cane. Because those things advance the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom. And his righteousness. Kingdom mentality. Some of us, we can't suffer for our faith. Say, Lord, are you still there? He will always be there. A man in prison who should be angry with God, 
He's writing letters from prison to encourage men who are free, who will wake up and eat what they want to eat, and go where they want to go to. A man who is in prison waiting to be killed, who should be mourning and grieving, he's writing letters to encourage people who are free, who wake up and go to the market, go to his suit, go to teaching house, do what you want. A man in prison is thinking about free men, how they can remain strong in the faith. I wonder if it's the same heaven we are going with, Apostle Paul. Is it the same heaven? When we get to heaven, some of us will be ashamed how you lived your life or not. Do you know that when we suffer for our faith, it advances the kingdom of God? Kingdom mentality. Jesus was teaching us, he said, in Simon on the Mount, Blessed are you when men persecute you. When men insult you and call you by all kinds of names. Rejoice. For great is your reward in heaven. In fact, the Bible says when we suffer, First Peter says, The spirit of glory rests on you. Why do you... When I was tears in worry, a young Nipers graduate, we sat together and I God said I should go and work in knifes. I, I, I struggled and murmured and started working with knifes. The brother went to work in Wari. After four years, I was transferred to Wari. When I came, he was still a casual staff with Chevron. So he came to my house and said, Brother Baron, it's good we are meeting again. He said, Brother, I don't, I'm, I'm not happy. I see money in this city. I don't have it. I'm a casual staff. As far back as 1996, he was earning 35,000 as a casual. Where his colleagues are earning 400,000, 500,000 as a race star. Say, let's pray. Say, I need a job because I want to sponsor the gospel. Say, bro, Jolomi, his name is Jolomi. Say, let's pray. We prayed. I wasn't even sure of my faith when I was praying. I just prayed for praying sake. You know, there are prayers you pray, God will still surprise you. Next week, they gave him a letter, appointment. Full time staff. This brother collected his salary and came to my house, my face house. I said, Brother Billy, this is money. God has done it. From that day, he signed out from 1996 till I asked three years. He will alone be paying the house rent of Nipe staff in Wari. My house then was 45,000. As of three years ago, Nipe's house rent in Wari was 500,000. He was still paying it today and talking to you all by himself. Supporting Nipe's, supporting Capro, supporting NCCS, supporting CEM, supporting when he takes his salary, he has a budget for the kingdom. See, that's why I want to be rich, why I want to work in oil company. Because people who have that money don't know what to do with it. When I was, he was support, apart from paying house rent, he was supporting about six nine staff salaries. He wanted to be rich for the sake of the kingdom. Why do you want to be rich? Just enjoy wealth, good life, comfort. Is that why you want to be rich? 
Why are you going for higher degrees? Just for head knowledge and the joy of acquiring certificates. I have a master's, I have a PhD. Or are you going into the academic work and research to discover more of God? So that you can occupy higher positions of responsibility and advance the knowledge of God through your studies. Why do you want to be a vice chancellor? Why do you want to be a doctor? To feel good about being a doctor? Or so that I can go to hospital and show people that God's love is so much. God is not only there to save our soul, He's there to save our body. So that through your medical practice, you demonstrate the love of God to sick patients. Why do you want to be a permanent secretary, a DG or head of unit? Why? Just for the power, the influence, the money, the material privileges, or you want to set things right? You want to have the position of power and the influence to establish the rule of righteousness in your workplace. Brethren, the secret to getting what you want make God number one, his kingdom. I began this day by telling us that Jesus came to set up a kingdom to take this world back from the devil. Do you like the way life is on earth? Life is a burden. Life is a burden on earth. Nigeria is a burden. Are you not bothered? Lord, I am going to seek for political office because I want to show people that it's possible to be godly and be a politician and change the perspectives of people. That politics is for thieves and criminals and corrupt people. Lord, I want to be a politician. I want to be in the state house of assembly so I can challenge the commitment of the legislation in good governance. Lord, I want to be a commissioner. Give me a ministry. I will show them that when the righteous are in power, the people rejoice. Things can work here because I'm a child of God. Seek ye first the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom. We seek the kingdom through our career, our ambitions. Why do you want to marry? Just to have a husband? To have a wife and have children? Is that it? Do you know that our marriage is for the advancement of the kingdom of God? Joseph was engaged to Mary. To be married. And God said to Joseph, I want to borrow your wife, please. Just hold on, no wedding yet. I want to borrow your wife. Give me your wife for one year. Joseph was engaged to Mary. God borrowed Mary to bring Jesus into the world, the king. And when Mary was pregnant, and Joseph discovered, he said, what? But I know this is my fiancée. She's godly and godly. Which kind of pregnant is this one? He said, well, I won't disgrace her because I love her. I'll just quietly withdraw from this relationship. God said, no way, you won't. I want to borrow your fiancée. 
Go back and take Mary, your wife. This, your marriage, must advance my kingdom. I want to bring a king into the world. Can God use your marriage to advance his kingdom? You just want to have children for the fun of it. You want your children to be the best so you feel good and have the best set of children, most educated, intelligent. Are you raising those children as godly seeds? Somebody raised Daniel, Shadrach, Mishan, and Abednego in Israel. And they went to exile. Commentary tells us that Daniel, Shadrach, when they went to exile, they were about 17, maximum of 21. A young boy of 17 says, sorry, I won't compromise my Jewishness. I won't eat the king's food. But I can take Babylonian name, Babylonian literature, and Babylonian education. That's enough. You can't change my commitment to God. Somebody raised them. As parents, are you only interested in giving your children the best of education, the best of everything? Or are you raising Godly men and women that will make Jesus known in their generation. Me and you will soon expire. It's our children that will carry the gospel. Your sons and daughters, how much of Jesus do they need? Kingdom mentality. The best thing you can give your child is not best education. But godly heritage. Pass on to them the knowledge and fear of God. Somebody raised Timothy. His mother and grandmother. He said the faith that was in them. Paul made reference to it. Because Lois and Eunice raised a Timothy. The kingdom of God had a pastor and a bishop. Timothy was the bishop in Ephesus. And turned around that place for Jesus. Today we have people, Christians, who make decisions and choices without involving God. You want to go into business because you want to make money. Sorry, business is first and foremost not about making money. You got it wrong. Business is about serving people. And then making profit to remain in business so that you continue to serve people. Business is not about making money. If your concept of business is to make money, you'll be a cheat. You can offer people poison in the name of business. That's why you have people who deal in fake drugs. And they are parents, billionaires. For them, pharmaceutical businesses, you know this drug will not kill someone. You package it and sell it. Load it in warehouse. Why? You want to make money. You want to make money. People want to do business and, and package dirty water in the name of pure water. You drink and you get diarrhea and typhoid fever. They are not thinking of their fellow human beings. No fear of God. No conscience. No conscience. I want to, and when they finish, they will bring the tithe to church. When they finish, they come and give and give testimony how God prospers them. 
Business is not about making money. Work is not about earning a living. Work is about serving God. Lord, I want to be a teacher so that I will not only teach head knowledge, I will teach people heart knowledge of God. I want to be a teacher. Seek ye forth the kingdom. Stop worrying yourself about tomorrow. The Christian life is a simple life. A life of commitment. A life of allegiance to the kingdom of God. When you make choices and decisions without putting the kingdom of God in perspective, you don't have kingdom mentality. You don't. Before you do anything, you say, how will this thing I'm doing contribute to advancing the kingdom of God? There are few Christians who live like this. Anywhere you are, look around and see what needs to be done. Kingdom mentality. It is kingdom mentality that made people to come to Africa to bring the gospel to us as missionaries. Because they were not thinking of their own lives. So what do we want to achieve by this talk on kingdom mentality? We want to help us to live a sacrificial life that is committed to advancing the kingdom of God. Not a materialistic and self-centered life. The church in Nigeria has enough money to change Nigeria. There is enough Naira and Kobo and dollars in the church in Nigeria to change this country. To change this country. Brother said there is an urgent need for a paradigm shift. The Nigerian church, we are producing babies. I hope you know there's a difference between a child and a son. <laughs> Children are liabilities. Daddy, give me, buy ice cream. Daddy, buy chocolate. When they become, when I say son here, I mean an adult, so he can mean a brother, a sister. The Bible says, Jesus came to this world to raise sons unto glory. Without as many as receive him, he gave them the power to be what? Children. But the Bible says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. That's different between being a child and being a son. Sons take responsibility for the kingdom. Children only enjoy the blessings of the kingdom. The majority of Nigerian Christians are children. Their life begins and ends with miracles. Their testimonies is only what God has done for them. No testimony of what they have done for the Lord. We, we have a hymn in Anglican church we always sing during burial. It's not meant for burial. It's about Christian mission on earth. It's missions. I gave my life for thee. Hi. 
Jesus is still asking that question now. It's about missions. What have you done for me? What have you done for me? We don't need to wait until somebody dies before we sing that song. Can I ask you, since you became a Christian, what have you done for the Lord Jesus? I'll give you a take-home assignment. When we go back this night, don't sleep, reflect. What really have I done for Jesus? And if by God's grace you've done something, are you proud of it? Couldn't you have improved that record? Couldn't you have done three times what you have done? If you're living with a kingdom mentality, when you wake up every morning, you are thinking of what to do for the Lord Jesus. You are thinking of what to do for the Lord Jesus. Not always what Jesus can do for me. This night, the Nigerian church were a prodigal son. Believe me with all my heart, I say it is general, but I know there are exceptions. I mean, the totality of the Nigerian church is a prodigal son. But I know that God always has remnants. You know what the prodigal son did? He took his father's wealth and went and squandered it in a foreign land and came back empty. Yes, his father forgave him, but he's prodigal. The Nigerian church is one of the most blessed churches in this world. The gift of God and Holy Spirit, the passion and zeal and anointing, what have we used it to do? To build cathedrals. We use the grace of God to to, to make unbelievers rich. Paying for television, adverts, everything, you know. Nigeria is like a country where God is not at work. With all the anointed men of God. We are busy building denominations. And we are not advancing the kingdom of God. We are prodigious. The grace of God is upon the church in Nigeria in a measure. If other countries of the world have 10% of the grace of God upon the Nigerian church, their nation will not remember the way they are. Nigeria is like a country where God is not at work. Our roads are not fixed. You live in the city, you can't open tap and water will run. You, you don't have anywhere in Nigeria that does not give light. With all our money, we are living in a polluted environment, noise pollution, including the church giving noise pollution, just noise pollution. With all your money, your children will go to school and you are not sure when they will graduate. If ASU is not on strike, when they finish, SANU will begin their own. When university finish, Polytechnic will start their own. It's a country where nothing works. I engaged a brother who finished from UNICEF. Dr. Mekokori came to me and said, Bremeka, I don't like going to teaching hospitals again. God has blessed me with all the number of years I've worked in Nigeria. There's no hospital I go, I don't see in Nigeria. So when I go, they'll give me first class service and I'll say, no, I won't come again. I'll go to private hospitals. I don't like coming to hospital and you bypass other people to attend to me. Strong. People sit in hospitals, they are not attended at the right time. 
I went to do an x-ray. And I met so many people in Jews. Nobody's attending to them. Because people are on strike. Before I know it, one brother came out from the, where they have their machines for people. I said, oh, Uncle Eberi, before I know, what did you come here for this? Without going to pay and queue, he ushered me in and did my x-ray and produced the, the pictures and gave me them, collected my money to go and start paying. Express service. But I was miserable and unhappy. How come these ones have been sitting here waiting? Nobody's attending to them. Why should our hospitals work like that? Is whom you know. Is that how a hospital should work? Must I know somebody in the hospital to be attended to? I said, I'm not coming again. Because it happened in Jude. It happened in many places. Once I walk in, somebody knows me. They want to give me first class service. As much as I'm grateful, I thank God for it. But why must Nigeria be like this? The problem is not that I don't like the attention given to me. The problem is, in the kingdom of God, everybody is equally treated. I enjoy the express service given to me. But somebody who has the kingdom mentality, this is not God. Where God is working, the system respects everyone. You don't need to know anybody to get good service and get it at the right time. Do you like the way things are imagined? Ask you. Do you like it? Would you want things to change? Kingdom mentality. Kingdom mentality. So this night, I, I want us to pray. We've not really had time to pray since we started. I want us to have time to pray over this message. One of the things we need to change before we pray. You know, we're talking mentally. The way you think affects the way you behave. Have you noticed that all the biblical images for Christians, we've reversed it in the Nigerian church. The Bible says we are pilgrims or sojourners. The Bible called us athletes. When you say you are a sojourner, it means this world is not a permanent place. You should look forward to a better place. But you know for the Nigerian Christians, a good life, a good car, a good job, a good house is their final buster. They are satisfied. They are not hungering for anything more. They are not thinking of eternity. They are so satisfied in the world, they don't need anything else. A good job, a good marriage, and a good life. That's all God. That's why I'm born again. But the Bible says we are what? Pilgrims and so. This is not a permanent place. Do not give your best to the things of this world. Give your best to the king. When you get to heaven, you will repent. The Bible calls us athletes. What does Atlas, one thing stands out for Atlas, discipline. Discipline. Atlas are the most disciplined people on, on earth. Do you know that currently Winter Olympics is going on? The main Olympics is coming in 2020. Some athletes have started training for 2020. Somebody is going to run 100 meters dash 
in nine or ten seconds, he will spend three years to train to run for nine seconds. So they, they, they are careful about their weight. They are careful about what they eat. They are careful about what they wear. You don't see athletes partying and getting drunk. You will never hear that an athlete was caught drunk. That the most that you can see footballers drunk. They have arrested footballers in, in hotels, frolicking with prostitutes, not athletes. These people called athletes highly disciplined. In fact, when you're eating, be careful what you're eating because they are going to do taste, to be taste. If they find anything in your body that should not be there, you are disqualified. The Nigerian church is the most indisciplined church. We are not mindful that we are in a race. We call ourselves winners when you are still running a race. You are already a winner. Hmm? And when you have the mentality of a winner, you lose the discipline you need. We are no longer disciplined. All kinds of things they do. The Nigerian church, may God have mercy on us. God will just use somebody to heal headache. You go and start a ministry. You go and start a ministry. Put big signboard. Ozibo, Ozibo. Just because God was gracious, you prayed for headache, not for cancer. For headache. You laid hand, somebody fell on the ground. You start ministry. A man of God has arrived. Somebody who refused to be discipled now wants to be a leader. And teaching rubbish. The Bible talks about imagery of a farmer. The Bible talks of imagery of life. I'm just mentioning it. We are salt and light. We are farmers. We are soldiers. But we've lost the sense of all these things. And I want to ask you this night. Where do you place the kingdom of God in your life and vision? Where? Kingdom mentality. Do you know that when you compromise in office, unbelievers are watching. Now watch. It's better to suffer than to compromise. You are telling them that your faith is so cheap. You can be bought with position and office. Because of promotion, because of one privilege, you compromise. You are telling them your Christian faith is so cheap. I remember my student days. I forgot the name of that brother. He spoke to us in Afanaye in a suit. Then, you know what? He, he was the chairman of all the local government commission. I don't know his name now. He told us his testimony for another year in those days. He said, at that position is holding literally every day. People come to bribe him for one thing or the other. And he will say no. He said, God, the point they want to force it on him, they will go back to the house and drop it. So he will come back and carry it back to them. And he gave his gate man warning. Because of that, people will do their contracts and do it. And he said, he told us that people he gave contracts without 
private meeting, when they finished, one of them came, in those days, if you have Mercedes flat boot, it's the equivalent of Amada Jeep now. The day he came to speak to he, he drove that message, he said, a man I get when I don't even know him, I don't remember him. He came to thank me with this message. I accepted it because I didn't ask for it. Everything you need, put the kingdom of it, was why why were others taking bribes? To buy cars. He told us now he's living in his own house. And people built a house for him. And I will end up with this story that happened in Joss. The chief justice of Plateau State when Governor Daria was governor. I was invited to preach in full gospel breakfast meeting. So he gave testimony. He said he was going to retire in six months. He had no house because of his Christian integrity. He has no car of his own. It's only the official car he's driving and they'll collect it when he retires. So, the Bible said, do not worry about tomorrow. So, he started worrying. And there was this political case. Governorship election in the state. And the money left and right. They brought 50 million naira to him. Cash in Ghana must go. (laughs) He said... You don't know what it means to be tempted with want something you need so desperately. You don't know. You don't know. We need to, we need to thank God for Jesus who fasted for 40 days and was hungry. And was tested with food. He resisted it. You think it's a joke. He told the man, go with the money. I'll get back to you. I'll let you know how I want it. He said he made up his mind to accept the money. But that little fear of God was still there. Don't collect this money. It can be traced to you. So he wanted to be smart. Go with the money. I'll let you know how I'll collect it from you. <laughs> and then he went to church. That thing happened on a Saturday. They brought 50 million to his house. The next day was Sunday. He went to church. He said God exposed him. After worship time, there was prophecy. And God said, there is somebody here who wants to compromise his faith by collecting bribe. That if he collects it, he said, he got up and said, I am the one. Chief judge of a state. Chief judge of a state. He said, please church, forgive me. That in his heart he has accepted the money. He's only trying to plan how to go so that they won't trace the money to him. He said he came and repaired as the church to pray for him. You can imagine how people were shot. So that's the kind of testimonies we need to hear. We only give testimonies how we are strong in the faith. We never give testimonies how we failed the Lord and the Lord has, you know, exposed us. We need to hear it. Then he said he now went back and said, God, Thank you for exposing me. You embarrass me in the church. <laughs> Say, God, it's not, you should have come personally. You should have, the way you sent Prophet Nathan to King David. Why did you disgrace me inside church? I don't have faith in the church again. And I'm a full gospel member. God said, I've achieved what I wanted. Three months to his retirement, 
the governor invited him. I said, you are going to retire. I'm going to appoint a new person to take over from you. So, um, where do you live? I said, what are you planning? He said, my governor, I don't have a house. I said, my governor, I don't even have a personal car. When you collect all this, your car. He had a 406 executive and a Prado chief. Governor said, okay. Those of you who know Joss. The governor said, okay, go to Rafi. Rafi is the millionaire's people in Joss. Go and look for a land that you like. Come and tell me. He went and looked for a land and came back and told the governor. He told us in that testimony, he will not tell us how much the governor gave him. He doesn't want armed robbers to come to his house. <laughs> he said the, go- the money the governor gave him, we build two duplexes and money will remain. And then, him that had no money, the governor told him to retire with the Prado Jeep and the 406. That we are still three months. When they, they changed all his cars, three months before it was six months for his he was living with Tia Roba, Prado Jeep and 406 executive. Seek ye first the kingdom. The Lord knows that you have needs of those things. He will give it to you. He refused to collect the bribery and he gave a right judgment. And he was rewarded with everything he was worried. We serve a good God. We serve a good God. Seek ye the first the kingdom. What is it that is troubling you? That is limiting you from giving your best to God. I want us to sort it this night as we pray. God is here to meet your needs. To sort it out. But I want you to make a promise to God. It's going to be your kingdom first. Anything I do. Is your kingdom first. Your kingdom first. I want us to stand up as we pray. If you are tired, you can sit down. If you are not strong to stand up, you can sit down. Those who are strong, we want to pray. We are going to take three prayer points. After that, I am going to pray specially for people. You are bothered, but there is something you want God to do for you, to turn around your life for Him. You know, so many people say, it's like, God, if you do this for me, I will do this for you. Sometimes God allows it. Hannah said to God, if you take away my barrenness and give me a son, I will raise him for you and give him back to you. And God gave him a son. Much more than a son, a prophet for Israel. What is it that is bothering you? That is caging you? That is holding you back from making God's kingdom number one? What is it that if God does for you today, you will give him your best. I want you to take note of that in your heart as we pray. What is it? What is it that if God does it for you today, it will turn your life around for his kingdom? I'm not going to ask what I call for anybody to come up here. But I want to pray for people. And I want you to make a promise to God. You will come back and give the testimony here. I have got this during the revival of Kingdom Lifestyle. God did it for me. God has turned my life loose. It's going to be for his kingdom. What is it? Our God is a good God. I want you to talk to God about that thing in your heart before we pray.
Our God is able to meet every need. But he wants you to make him number one. What is that thing you are asking God? Say Lord, if only you can do this for me. You will have the whole of me. You will have the whole of me. You will have the whole of me. I will make you number one in my life. I want us to be quiet in the presence of the Lord. This is the hour of the Lord's visitation. What is said that is troubling your life? The Lord wants to settle it this night. What is it? He that did not spare his son to die on the cross. What is it that he cannot give to us? What is it? What is it? Why are we running after material things? Rather than running to him who is the source of life. Why are we chasing after the things of the world? When our God is the owner of silver and gold. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. The earth and the heavens are full of his glory. Why are we chasing after things that people don't know God chase? This evening I want to agree with every one of you that is making a decision to make the kingdom of God first in your life. But Lord, I want you to do this for me. I want to agree with you. I'm going to pray for you now. And I want to ask you, remember to give God the glory when it takes place. Father, this night I come before you on behalf of my brothers and sisters. There are many needs that are in the lives of many standing here. Some of the needs, when they think of it, it cripples them. It brings tears on their eyes. They don't sleep at night. They are weeping and mourning. Some of the needs here have ridiculed them. And people have insulted and abused them and insulted their God because of a situation in their lives. Some of them have suffered shame, abuse. They have been denied things that they merit. Because they are Christians. And they are saying, Lord, where are you? Where are you? Lord, I'm asking you for a visitation. I'm asking you for a miracle. For every of such persons here. An answer to their prayers. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, your first miracle on earth was to meet a need. You went for a wedding in Canaan and the wine finished. You had to do a miracle and give the wine so that they would not be embarrassed. The Bible didn't even tell us that the bridegroom was your follower. But the Bible said after you did that miracle, many believed and put their faith in you. Lord, you are a good God. I want you to showcase your goodness in the lives of these your children who are here tonight. Do something in their lives that they will have as a testimonial to people that God has done it for me. 
Father, your word say, when the captivity of your people shall be turned away, they shall be like them that dream. And people shall say, their God has done a great thing for them. May it be so to your sons and daughters this night. That people will see them and say, the God they serve and worship has done a great thing for them. Lord, do it and take the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I want to thank you for everyone here. Teach each one of us what it means to seek first your kingdom. Teach us what it means in our daily lives to seek first your kingdom. And I ask that every one of us will learn this discipline and secret of the kingdom. That when we make you our number one, you also make us your number one. May our kingdom mentality attract the fullness of the blessings of this kingdom upon our lives. In Jesus' powerful name, we have prayed. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. We are blessed to have in our midst the Archbishop of the Ecclesiastical Province of Enugu and the Bishop of this diocese, our Father in the Lord, the Most Reverend, Dr. He will close us in prayer after he has also given us his words of closure at the day. Thank you, sir. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's my pleasure being here with you. And I pray that what you have received, the Lord will not allow the enemy to take it away from you in the name of Jesus. You will go home blessed in the name of Jesus. Sickness will not touch you in the name of Jesus. Failure will not be your portion in the name of Jesus. And all you lay your hands upon from today shall prosper in the name of Jesus. Those who see you will laugh with you and not laugh at you in the name of Jesus. The Lord God will promote you. He will grant you peace in your home. Peace wherever you go. Success in your way. And God Almighty, we defend from perils and dangers of this month and this year in the name of Jesus. As you have listened to the word of God, God will give us the grace to seek his kingdom first in the name of Jesus. He will supply our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus in the name of Jesus. He will sustain us according to his word and our hopes will not be shattered in the mighty name of Jesus. Our brother who has come in the Lord will fill him and bless him. Tomorrow will be better than today in the name of Jesus. Our future shall be better than our past in the name of Jesus. And so as you go home, we pray that God will grant you sound sleep in the name of Jesus. Nobody will dream bad dreams in the name of Jesus. And we shall not fall from sleep to death in the name of Jesus. God is going to prosper the work of our hands. We shall wake up happy, strengthened in strength and power. And with the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and keep you all. And make you strong now and forevermore in Jesus' name. If you are happy, do something for Jesus. God bless you. God bless you.